W. In your Bible, the word, speaking of the written scripture, that's lowercase w. The word, speaking of Jesus Christ, that's uppercase w. And we'll uh, talk about that when we get to the name of Jesus, that is the word. But in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, let's pray together. Lord, help us this morning to understand the Bible and then to believe what we understand. And, and, and Lord, to take it to heart and respond to it as we ought, that we might please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, people confuse the word begotten with the word begat or with the word to beget. In the genealogical uh, portions of the scripture, we will read that so-and-so begat a son, and that son begat a son, and that son begat a son. And so we have the idea that Jesus Christ, as the only begotten son, is the only son to whom God gave birth. That would not be correct. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse number 12, But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So everyone who has had a second birth, a new birth, a spiritual birth, is a child of God, born of God. So Jesus Christ is not the only child of God, or the only Son of God, that would not be correct, nor can it be a reference to the time of His birth or the manner of His birth, because the Scripture says, as we read, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 3, without Him was not anything made that was made. There is no point of origin for God the Son. There is no point of origin for the Lord. He, Jesus Christ is the Creator manifest in the flesh. In fact, that's borne out in verse 14, which we read, where the Bible says, And the Word, see, He's already existing, was made flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't have His beginning when He came among man in a body of flesh. He has no beginning. We've already studied that. He is the beginning. He is the Alpha. Everything starts with Him. But the Bible says, We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So this this scripture tells us, Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son before His, His birth as a man. He is the only begotten of the Father before He was made flesh. So Jesus Christ, first of all, is not God's only Son, though He is the Son of God. And secondly, His being the begotten Son has nothing to do with His birth. Now, what could it mean if it doesn't mean birth? Come with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll not take the time to read two or three chapters from Genesis this morning, though that would be 
enjoyable. We could do that, but better not press things on this particular Sunday morning. Once upon a time, God chose a man by the name of Abraham. Well, he was, his name was Abram at the time. And called him to leave Ur of the Chaldees. And God promised that man that he would make of his seed a great nation. That in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. That he would give him as many offspring as there were stars in the sky. And grains of sand by the seashore. And that God would bless those that blessed his nation. And curse those that cursed his nation. And Abraham received those promises. Those promises, as Abraham waxed old in years, those promises came into question. Lord, who's going to be my heir? You said I'm going to have as many children as there are stars in the sky. I don't have any children. You said I'm going to have as many children as there are grains of sand by the sea. I don't have any children. And Abraham, in an absence of faith, And Abraham, in what is probably the second greatest error in human history, after Adam eating the fruit, nothing has caused more harm in this world than Abraham fathering a child by his wife's housemaid. And Abraham brought into the world Ishmael, whose descendants would become the century after century after century enemies of the children of Abraham's eventual other son, Isaac, the Israelites, and the Arab peoples, all of that war and conflict grew out of Abraham's error. So Abraham fathers a child by Hagar. They name him Ishmael. Then time goes on, and the Lord appears to Abraham when he's 99 years old and says, Okay, Dad, it's time. Abraham said, No way I can have a child now. Besides that, my wife is a sprightly 89. And so Abraham at 99 and Sarah at 89, by the grace of God and through the miraculous working of God, have a child. And they name that child Isaac. And Abraham's son Isaac becomes the heir of the promises. So the Bible speaks of of the the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the nation of Israel, not the descendants of Abraham, Ishmael, and, and, and so forth. Now, the promises belong to Abraham. The promises belong to Abraham's son Isaac, not Abraham's son Ishmael, though it is evident from Scripture Abraham has two sons. Everybody with us so far? All right, Hebrews chapter 11 says this. Hebrews 11, and let's start at verse number, oh, verse number, well, we can sum the whole thing up here. Verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he journeyed in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Okay, so who inherits the promise? Isaac, Jacob. Verse 11, Through faith also Sarah 
herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had judged. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So, Sarah, Abraham, have a child, past reasonable age, past the age anyone would believe you could have a child, and then that promise was fulfilled of the, of the stars in the sky, the sand by the sea. Now watch this. Look at verse number 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now notice. This would be a complete error had the scripture said Abraham offered his only son because he has more than one son. But he offered on Mount Moriah the only son who had been given the promises. So this term begotten has to do with giving an exalted place or giving a designated place that is not given to anyone else. Though Abraham had as many heirs or as many descendants as there are stars in the sky, only one of his descendants was begotten. Only one was given a place of honor and a place of inheritance. So... There are millions who are called sons of God because of their new birth. John chapter 1 verse 12 and elsewhere. But God has only one begotten son. And Jesus Christ is the only son to whom God gave a special, exalted, designated place. That's very important. Now, let's go back in our Bibles to Psalm number 2. Psalm number 2, and we have the prophecy regarding the exalted places that God the Father would give to God the Son. Psalm number 2, and verse number, verse number 6. This is the Lord's answer to the plans of the heathen. Yet... Have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion? I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So the first time we see... Jesus Christ being referred to as the only begotten Son, or the the only begotten of the Father, or this day have I begotten thee, it has to do with His exalted place as ruling and reigning over all the nations and kingdoms of this earth. Now I, by the grace of God, am a child of God. I will not sit on a throne at Jerusalem and rule all nations with a rod of iron. If you have been saved by the grace of God, you are God's child. You will not sit on a throne at Jerusalem and all enemies under your feet 
and everyone bowing before your throne and worshiping you, not a chance it's not going to happen. We are, by God's grace, His offspring. Praise the Lord. But we are not His begotten children. He has only one whom He has begotten. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is designated by God as the heir of all things. He is designated by God as the king who will sit, and will rule, and will reign over Crimea, and Ukraine, and Russia, and the United States, and whatever else is left when the dust settles, he will rule and reign over it all. That's God's decree. Praise the Lord. Now... The verse you just read in Psalms is quoted three times in the New Testament to identify the other places or the other offices to which Jesus Christ has been appointed by God the Father and which, to, to which no one else is entitled. Look at Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter number 13 and we'll find Psalm number 2 quoted there. In regard to what? Well, let's take a look. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 and verse number 27. Now let's go back to to 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, To you is the word of this salvation sent. So this is Paul, the apostle to the circumcision, preaching the gospel to the Jews. And verse 27, For they that dwell at Jerusalem, and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they, Pilate, that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. So this is Jesus Christ. He is rejected, came unto his own, his own received him not. They crucified him, they nailed him on that cross. He died on Calvary's cross, he's buried and laid in a tomb. Verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. Buried, third day rose again according to Scripture. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee, Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written, In the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Now, now here's the great thing about the Bible. And the great thing about knowing and understanding that the Holy Spirit inspired these words. Not a one of us would have read Psalm number 2 and said, Oh, that's about the resurrection. But it is. Not a one of us would have read those verses, Psalm 2, verses 6 through 8, and said, Oh, I know what that's about. That's about God raising Jesus from the dead. Not a chance. But it was. 
Psalm number 2 said, The heathen rage against God's plan to put His Son on the throne. The heathen exalt themselves and imagine a vain thing, thinking if we get rid of the air, we can take possession of the vineyard. And the Lord said in Psalm number 2, You can kill him if you want to. But I will raise him from the dead and set him on that throne. You are not going to keep my son from reigning. Now what a blessing that is. How is Jesus Christ the only begotten son as regards the resurrection? Look carefully. Look at verse 34. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. Okay, now think about this. In, in the book of First uh, Kings, Elijah is empowered by God to raise a Shunammite woman's son from the dead. God did not raise him directly from the dead, but he used Elijah so he could confirm the, the authority of the prophetic office. He used Elijah to raise that boy from the dead. But we don't know how long after, it might have been 20 years, it might have been 40 years, it could have been 70 years. But one day, death reached its cold, hard hand in that boy's direction and drug him down once again into that grave and consumed his body. He was raised from the dead, but corruption eventually got him. Elisha, some years later... He was responsible for raising a man from the dead. And if you'd like to hear that man on the lecture circuit today, it would be impossible. Because some point in time after he was raised from the dead, death paid him a second visit and said, I'm sorry, but the wages of sin is death and you've not paid those wages. Come on back and drug him into the ground. Jesus raised the widow of Nay's son. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus called Lazarus up from the grave. And, and who knows how many other people were raised from out of the realm of death by the word and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But every one of them went back through that door of death because corruption had a claim upon them because of sin. But Jesus Christ, He is the only begotten of the Father in that He was especially chosen and appointed by God to conquer death. Not to escape it temporarily, but to conquer it. And he did so with such complete and total victory that when he walked out of that grave, death never again so much as lifted a finger in his direction. Death wanted more of that Shunammite boy. Death wanted more of Jairus' daughter. Death wanted more of, of Lazarus. But once Jesus Christ had finished kicking death in the head, death said, I'm not messing with him ever again. Death will never touch the Lord Jesus Christ. He was appointed by God the Father to die victoriously and to rise victoriously having conquered death. Praise the Lord. He is the only begotten Son. Now, I am 
a child of God by the power of God. I am a child of God by the grace of God. I have eternal life through the gift of God. But I only have that by virtue of God's only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. His triumph over death, He has allowed me to partake in that because of my faith and trust in Him. I don't have eternal life. I have Jesus Christ who is eternal life. See, some people act like, and that's why, that's where religion causes so many people to stumble and go astray. Are you saved? Do you have eternal life? Well, I'm trying. Trying to do what? Get eternal life apart from Jesus. Baptism doesn't have eternal life in it. Sacraments don't have eternal life in them. Good works doesn't have eternal life. Jesus Christ is the only begotten of the Father. The only one chosen to have everlasting life. If you want everlasting life, you've got to get it from Him. Can't get it anywhere else. Alright, there's a second time. Psalm number 2 is quoted. It's in Hebrews chapter number 1. Book of Hebrews And chapter number 1, Hebrews, the first chapter, the Bible says in verse number 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Okay, so who are we talking about? His Son, Jesus Christ. His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things. By whom also he made the world. See the appointment there? Now, you can be made an heir of God, and you can be made a joint heir with Jesus Christ, but you have no inheritance apart from Jesus Christ. God appointed him heir of all things. The only appointment I have, Hebrews says later, it is appointed on men once to die. After this, the judgment. My appointment's death and judgment. Your appointment's death and judgment. Jesus' appointment is heir of all things. Best thing anybody could do is get to Jesus. So he's appointed heir of all things, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now watch. When he had by himself purged our sins. So you don't help God Purge your sins by your good works. Jesus does that all by himself. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. See that? Now look, being made, not created. He's not a created being, he's the creator. Being made, God designated, God gave to, God appointed for Jesus Christ. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now, again, when you read Psalm number 2, verses 6 through 8, You don't say to yourself, I know what that's about. That's about Jesus ascending back up to heaven and sitting down at the right hand of the Father. But it is. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that it is. 
when the Lord finished his earthly ministry, a chariot was not sent by God to carry him into heaven. When the Lord finished his earthly ministry, angels were not sent to take him to Abraham's bosom. When the Lord finished his earthly ministry, nobody descended from heaven with a shout and caught him up by their power and escorted him into the presence of the Father. Jesus Christ stood upon earth and because of his power and his holiness and his righteousness and his accomplishments, he ascended. That is, he went by his own power. Straight into heaven. And when he got there, the angels parted on this side, and the angels parted on that side, and and revealed was a seat in the very throne of heaven itself that no one had ever been entitled to sit in until Jesus Christ walked up and sat down in that seat. God appointed that throne in glory for His Son, Jesus Christ, and He is the only one begotten to sit on that throne. Now, with no apologies whatsoever to any of your friends or relatives who belong to a church that teaches them one day they'll be a God over their own planet. Nobody but Jesus Christ has been appointed by God to rule and reign over anything. He's the only begotten Son. So, in His resurrection, He's the only begotten. In His ascension, He's the only begotten. Now, look at Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews and the 5th chapter. Hebrews 5 verse number 1. For every high priest... We've just been studying Jesus Christ as priest, so this this is uh, pertinent. For every high priest taken among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity, and by reason thereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man, now look, no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So... Christ, so also, Christ glorified him not, glorified not himself to be made an high priest. Now stop right there. On earth, the Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation had a high priest that brought sacrifices into the presence of God to make reconciliation for them and brought blessings from God to them. That's their high priest. They didn't vote on who the high priest would be. And there wasn't sword fights to see who could win. God appointed Aaron to be high priest and said nobody else can be high priest, just Aaron. So also, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, was appointed by God to be the great high priest in heaven bringing the sacrifice to God that would pay for our sins and bringing the blessings of God to us that would make our lives more abundant. That's Jesus Christ. He's chosen by God to be the great high priest. Now finish the verse. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, 
Thou art my son. Today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, in case you weren't certain, when we define begotten as not having to do with a birthday, Jesus certainly didn't have four birthdays. But four times God said, This day have I begotten thee. There is a day when God made him the only way to escape death. There is a day when God appointed him the only one who could provide direct access to heaven. There was a day when God appointed him to be the only one who could bring an acceptable sacrifice to God on behalf of man and the blessings of God to man on behalf of God. And there will be a day when God will put His Son on the throne of this planet and and give Him a kingdom that will never end. He is the only begotten of the Father. Okay, now, I want you to turn with me to a verse that you know, but you don't know it as well as you thought you know it. Whatever, just take your Bible right now and turn to John three sixteen. John chapter three and verse number sixteen. I'm going to say this as carefully as I can. Once once those pages stop turning, John three. So well, I know that verse. Maybe you don't. John three sixteen. And once you find it, slip back over to John chapter number one. And let's, let's remind ourselves of what we read earlier. John 1, verse number 12. But, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Have you believed on His name? Are you a son of God? By according to scripture. Now, now keep going. Which were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word, capital W, Jesus Christ, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now listen. He can't be God's only Son... You just read that he has millions of sons, but you read that he is the only one begotten out of all those sons. He's the only one chosen to be the life, victor over death, the ascension, direct access to heaven, the mediator and great high priest. And the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the only, God has many sons, many children, but only one begotten son. Now, look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave... Do you know what some of the modern versions say? That He gave His one and only Son. That's just wrong. He has many sons. Everyone who has been saved. John 1 said is, is a son of God. He gave, 
His only begotten Son. He only has one Son who was given the exalted place of the resurrection and the life, of the way to heaven, of the mediator and great high priest, and of king and kings and lord of lords. That's Jesus Christ. God didn't make him his only begotten son. He was his only begotten son, and he gave him to every one of us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now now watch carefully. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay. One of our Snowbird families said they're, they're heading north this week. Others will start to head north. You know what that means? That means the ice is getting thin. Lakes are frozen, but maybe you shouldn't walk on them. I'm about to walk on some thin ice here. The United States of America is full of drunken, fornicating, lying, cheating, blasphemous adults who said a prayer in a church when they were seven or eight years old to, a, to an unknown, mysterious, some Jesus, somebody, somewhere, because a sincere adult wanted them to say a prayer. John 3.16 does not say God so loved the world that he gave Jesus that whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. It said you must believe in the only begotten Son of God to have everlasting life. And, And Muslims believe in Jesus. They do not believe he is the only way to have everlasting life. Come on now. Buddhists and Hindus believe in Jesus. They do not believe he is the only access to heaven. Liberals and, and uh, of every stripe and every variety believe in Jesus. They do not believe that his sacrifice is the only acceptable sacrifice. Now, now listen. A child can be saved as easily as an adult can be saved. But they're not going to be saved if they don't believe the truth. You can only be saved if you do what God said you must do to be saved. And you must believe in the only begotten Son of God, not in a few things somebody told you about Jesus. You've got to believe the right things about Jesus. You got a coexist sticker? Then you've not believed on the only begotten Son of God. Do you believe there are many ways to heaven as long as somebody is sincere they're going to get there? Then you have not believed in the only begotten Son of God. He is the resurrection and the life. Not another one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's not another one. He is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. There is not another one. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, not another one. If Jesus is just one of your gods, or one of your superheroes, or one of your prophets, you don't have everlasting life. The missionary uh, that I've 
corresponded with and appreciate his work and his ministry. And he went to Japan, if I'm not mistaken, in the early 1960s. And he said when he got there, he would, he would talk to these Japanese people. He would give them a New Testament. He would tell them about Jesus. He would lead them in a prayer. And he was thrilled to send home his missionary reports every month about how many hundreds of Japanese people had prayed and trusted Jesus as their Savior. He said after he'd been there a while, he, he gained enough of their confidence to where they invited him into their homes. And on the mantelpiece of their home, they would have a collection of shrines and trinkets and tokens representing the many different gods. And on that mantelpiece would be the New Testament that he had given them. And they would say, see, 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 we have Jesus too. And he said, he said it just smote his heart. He had to explain to them that it's not Jesus too. And he said when he walked over to the mantelpiece and said, all of these must come down so that only Jesus Christ remains. He's still there. He's still in Japan. He said, but the missionary letters changed dramatically after that. I could no longer report that people were calling upon Jesus. Because when I insisted that they call upon the only begotten Son of God, that changed everything. And I am afraid, my friends, that many people throughout these United States and around this world have prayed a prayer to a Jesus of their own invention or a Jesus of their own misunderstanding, and they have not put their faith and trust in the only one who rose from the dead, in the only one who has access to the Father in heaven, to the only one whose sacrifice can take away sin, to the only one appointed by God to rule and reign. This is a narrow way. The Lord said so. He said, few there be that find it. There is a broad road, and it leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And I'd be a false preacher and a corrupt minister if I did not tell you that truth. I have never made any attempt to get someone to rededicate their life. I've never made any attempt to, to talk someone into doubting their salvation. I'm telling you, if somewhere along the way you prayed a prayer you didn't mean to a God you didn't know, in the name of a Jesus you didn't understand, and you wonder why to this day you have no interest in the Bible and no interest in church and no interest in spiritual things and no desire to tell anybody how to escape hellfire so they can go to heaven when they die, maybe, just maybe, you repeated a prayer, but you never believed on the only begotten Son of God. Maybe, just maybe, somebody who sincerely wanted you to go to heaven didn't tell you everything they should have told you. Maybe that's it. When I was a boy, and it's just no disrespect to my parents. When I was a boy, my, my parents started taking us to church. And they, they went to this little, it was a, called a Christian church, it was a congregational church. And that church believed that you got saved by being baptized. 
And my Sunday school teacher, I, I remember it well, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Eagleson, she said, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Well, of course. I'm seven, eight years old. Of course I want to go to heaven when I die. And she said, well, well would you like to be baptized? Well, if, if that's what you got to do to go to heaven when you die, I'd be glad to be baptized. And so she took me to, to Reverend Dobb, and, and, uh, and, and that's, that's what he was, Reverend Dobb, that's who he was. And, and she told him, said, this, this boy wants to go to heaven. He said, you want to go to heaven? Well, of course I want to go to heaven. So the next Sunday they baptized me. Now listen, I did what the Sunday school teacher told me to do. I did what the preacher told me to do. My parents dressed me up and hugged me and, and dried me off with a towel and we, everybody was excited. I did what I was told to do. And you know, for me to get saved, I had to insult my Sunday school teacher. I had to insult my preacher. I had to insult my mother. I had to insult my father. I had to say, that wasn't right. You know what stands in the way of a lot of people getting saved? They don't want to have to admit they didn't get saved. They don't want to have to say somebody misled me or I misled somebody. Now look, if when you prayed at 5 years old or prayed at 25 years old or prayed at 45 years old, you were calling on the only one whose sacrifice could get you to heaven, then you're saved. But if you prayed to an unknown God, just repeating like a parrot in a cage would repeat what the woman washing the dishes said. Or, I'm sorry, or, or the man washing dishes. I don't want to exclude anybody. I want to know, when did you put your faith and trust in the only begotten Son of God? And that could explain your lack of interest. And it could explain why whenever somebody preaches about sin, you say, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, how come you don't? The Holy Spirit does. Christians do. God does. Maybe, just maybe. Thank, thank the Lord we have these good news clubs. And, and it's a blessing to have families here who came because they're children in a good news club. That's a blessing. But you know, these boys and girls, they come from rough backgrounds, a lot of them. Not all of them, a lot of them. And we'll give the uh, gospel lesson and, and, and preach the gospel, explain what Jesus did. And then they'll say, now if anybody would like to be saved, you can come out and talk to one of the counselors. And they go out, Brother David or Sister Lillian or Sister Linda, Brother Ed or others that go and work. And here's what they'll say. These little boys and girls, they'll say, if I pray to Jesus to get saved, will Mommy quit doing drugs? If I pray to Jesus to get saved, will Daddy come home? If I pray to Jesus to get saved, will, will, my, will my grandma come back? Will she be alive again? You know what they want? They want a Jesus who's going to do something for them that they want done. And nobody could blame them for that. Just like adults come to an altar and say, if I pray this prayer, maybe my wife won't find out. If I pray this prayer, maybe I won't lose the house. If I pray this prayer, maybe it won't be cancer. I'm not telling you the Lord doesn't want to help you with all kinds of things. But that's not getting saved. 
You come to Jesus because you are going to die in your sins and He's the only one that can give you victory over that death. You come to Jesus because you want to go to heaven and not to hell and He's the only one that can get you to heaven. You come to Jesus without a sacrament, without a wafer, without a baptism certificate, without bragging about your good works because He's the only one who can bring a sacrifice to God that's acceptable. For God so loved the world, and He does, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, I believe that 700 people could get saved in one special outreach. But if 700 people say a prayer and only two people show up for church the following Sunday, I'm not buying it, neither is God. Somebody did something somebody told them to do, but somebody didn't know what they were doing. And I want you to be sure this morning, God has an only begotten Son. And He wants you to be His Son. See, He doesn't have a one and only Son. But He has only one Son whom He has chosen to be your way to eternal life. I hope you know Him. I I really do. I hope you trust in Him. And I hope if you're a saved person who witnesses, you'll be careful when you witness. And give people the truth they need. And I hope that if you... Listen, I don't want to give you doubts, but if you've had doubts. And I don't want to talk you out of something you have, but if you're not sure you have it. What else matters than getting that settled this morning? Nothing else matters. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father.